you want to dive into this? Uh, yeah. All right, cool. Let's do it. <laughs> I was like, is there like an intro? <laughs> no, we'll just roll into it. Let's have a good time. Awesome. So, gosh, with uh, video podcasting is such a interesting beast because like everyone wants to add that video element to podcasting. But like the reality of the situation is people get very bored watching two people have a conversation like that talking head syndrome. So I feel like I started doing video podcasting way before because I always try to add that element of video in with radio. And I was like, how can we make this interesting? But what I learned on video podcasting is that it's so much better to do it in those clips like that, you Mm -hmm. know, those little bursts of the information that you would share because otherwise it just gets overwhelming. You're trying to clean up bad edits, whereas when you're having just a conversation and it's audio only, you can kind of let those things slide. It's a little bit more forgiving. But like cleaning up an edit in a video requires B-roll. So then it's like a layered on project and it just becomes almost overwhelming and a whole different project in <laughs> itself. And you're like, what am I doing, a podcast or am I making a YouTube series? Yep. Those lines get blurry. So I feel like... I learned a lot just from trial and error. One of the biggest things I learned was distribution. If you only do video, you're so limited in podcast distribution. Yeah. Which is a huge negative because a podcast is such a niche form of marketing. And sometimes it does, you know, it takes diligence and it takes someone that wants to put in the effort of doing it. You know, like you said, you can't just quit after a year. So when you have that video element too, sometimes it just gets to be too overwhelming for for anybody and you just get burnt out faster oh my god it was yeah the well and that so this podcast right now the so this is my personal podcast and this is kind of what i started with and we did it as video we did all that stuff and yeah one thing i realized real quick is how much time it takes to do all of this shit because it's uh and especially when i was doing it by myself oh yeah So I got the cameras and I was learning all this. So I didn't know what the hell I was really doing. (laughs) I was kind of figuring it out. Just teaching yourself as you go. (laughs) As I went and I had all the cameras. I took all the the audio. I had to go in and take each individual camera file. And then you go back and like chop to the right angle. And the timing of the sound. That was the hardest for me. How so? You have to just clap. Oh, like getting it? Yeah, just getting it perfect because I feel like. I can just see when it's just a millisecond off and I'm like, oh my God, like, no, stop it. Yep. But like, not only that it makes it easily burned, but I was saying the distribution, great thing about podcasting is you have so many distribution channels for so many different ways that people listen. iHeartRadio, Amazon, uh, of course, like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. But if you do video, you're like limited to five maybe at this point. Spotify yeah. can do it. Apple Music can do it. You're, you can get on YouTube, but it, it kind of like, shoot you in the foot so you don't get as much of a start i feel like well and that's why we do the split like we have the video and then we have the audio section of it as well that's smart yeah because it's and and fortunately because this is more like a talking head type thing (laughs) it's like you can take the what actually what ty's figured out is you can take the video you uh you produce the audio beforehand in the individual tracks make that clean you know take out the de-bleed eq it everything like that and then you put that into the video, and then you just export that final video file as an audio file. Yeah, and that's been working well because it's—I mean, it saved a bunch of time. Because what I <laughs> used to do is go in and produce the audio, and then move it to the video, and then 
produce the audio as its own episode and then go make the video separately too. Oh. So you're doing the same things over and over yeah. again. And he was like, hey, why don't we just do this? I was like, <laughs> I don't know. Why don't, why don't we just do that? That's a good idea. That's kind of why you need other people Absolutely. like as part of it too. Because it just, it'll, it'll like eat your life away. But I started this and it got to the point where I was trying to build a business and this was just taking so much time. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I didn't have any help. I didn't have a producer or anything. So I had to literally stop doing this one so I could go do the business one because that's that's a business in yeah, itself exactly. to make money and everything and grow a business. Like I couldn't do both, especially not by myself. And I was doing all the work <laughs> on that one. But the distribution, like you said, that's huge. That's what I That's what I found. We've been talking about this, I don't know, kind of ad nauseum here for the past three, four weeks is just like the crazy reach you can get if you know where to distribute these clips and things. Like I see that as one of the most valuable parts of doing any kind of video podcast. All this stuff is YouTube, Instagram, Absolutely. Like the stories, the reels by this point. Yeah. And then not only that, like you said, like your content creator, like that's kind of like the heart of your marketing when it comes to having a business like yours. Yeah. Podcasting is such a beautiful way to create that content. Think about it. You have one 40-minute episode or so. You can get so many amazing little blurbs, factoids, little little hints of your brand's kind of mission statement and what you think is part of your brand. And you can repurpose that in so many different ways. It is such like a hotbed of uh, of that content. And that's what I kind of learned in the process of producing podcasts for other people, as opposed to being the one behind the podcast, that it was easier for me to understand their brand brand better by getting inside their heads and kind of just seeing them like light up and talk about the things that make them excited about that industry and stuff. And you just learn how to really position yourself because it's stuff that you've already said, like, you know, I feel like when you're branding things out and doing this, you sell yourself super well. And not only that, your customer sells you super well. So if you can't sell your own business, then you, that's a big problem that you got. But podcasting can help you find those little golden moments like, ah, genius. Like that's what you have a marketing company for to, to pull that out. But the content creation is such a key thing as far as like podcasting and business podcasting. Well, and from that, it's you get to be the one that delivers that message, mm -hmm. you know, like. Kind of like what you just said is I've been I've worked at other jobs where you're doing the marketing for like I work in that company. I'm doing the marketing for that company or pieces of the marketing. And you're constantly kind of trying to track down the person there, mm -hmm. like the owner of the company or like an executive <laughs> or something and be like, what do you think about this? And like, I'm really busy. I, uh, what did I say in that meeting yesterday? And you're like, yeah, I know, but I can't like capture that essence. And right? it's if they can sit down and just say it. You get a full feel of who they are, what they think, everything like that. And then you can take it and be like, here's an article. Here's a little graphic. Like, here's a blog post. Here's a here's video. Here's 10 social posts for you. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's pretty cool to see. Uh, and I think it's – what I see from all this is like it's a vehicle to be able to make the video content easier as a business owner than – a lot of other vehicles mm -hmm. and funny enough, like with this business, I'm kind of moving away from talking to people about like podcasts or having that be the primary thing that I talk yeah. about because people don't really 
A lot of people are like, what the hell did I do a podcast? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? But it's, but the pain that I'm seeing, I don't know, you probably helped a lot of people at the previous job with this, but it's like, the pain is like, I don't, I have no fucking clue what I'm doing <laughs> when it comes to getting on camera. Like, I don't feel comfortable. I don't want to be on camera. I don't want to do any of this stuff. And I, I see some of this as a real vehicle for those people to make the most of this Yeah, without and like alleviate some of that anxiety that comes with doing it. Cause like we're not looking at the camera right now. We're being recorded, but like mm-hmm. it's like a flowing conversation. I, no, absolutely. You, know I mean? you have some, you know, I've had, I mean, both in radio and in marketing, I've had people that don't perform well in front of cameras and they kind of freeze up or, <laughs> yeah. you know, we would coach people that would come in and have to just do radio breaks, no cameras at all. So even just putting a microphone in front of some people will make them shut down completely. Yeah. In fact, oh, sorry. Look at oh that. Oh my I know. God. It's like, it's like I've never been on a podcast before. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the biggest thing is, as you said, kind of coaching that talent and learning how to coach talent that's like a really a big thing I've seen as being someone who's created podcasts for other people and kind of letting the podcast strategy work towards them. You know, I had one person that did not perform well in front of the camera. It would make them uncomfortable. They would kind of like over talk. So I was like, let's just eliminate that. Like, I will just take cell phone video of a couple of things here and there just to kind of support what we're doing. But let's just eliminate this camera. I mean, a whole different person. Like, really? Super happy, like, I mean, easygoing, talkative, like, bouncing ideas back and forth, no, like, awkward stutters, and it's just because I just played to the strengths of that person. So I think that that's part of, you know, as you being a producer, learning, kind of, like, learning that person a little bit and learning what it's going to take to bring it out of them, because that's what it's all about, being natural. So in in that case, was it, like, was that a solo podcast where they were like looking at the camera while they were trying to do it or what was that situation like what was the dynamic of that yeah this was an interview style podcast that's my favorite way to do podcasts i feel like it's the most natural most conversational um i've done a solo podcast it's very awkward just to sit there and talk to yourself because you're like i'm an idiot (laughs) why why am i doing this like no one's gonna listen to me so i think if you're really good at writing than like a solo style podcast where you can kind of be prepared is the way to go. But me and you are a little bit more off the cuff. So yep. <laughs> a conversational style podcast would go in. And, you know, I feel like some people, it's just about kind of prepping them a little bit when it's like you're coaching them. So I would just go in and be like, hey, what are we going to talk about? What's up today? I know it'd just be super chill. And like I would interject my thoughts here and there as I felt like it. I'd never stop a production but it would always be, like I said, making them feel comfortable and them kind of feel like they're in charge. And like, I'm just here to like <laughs> hang out and push buttons, man. Like, that's it. And yeah. it always brought like really amazing like moments, yeah. which I just was like so excited to go back and capture later and put out there. For sure. Well, <laughs> and it's you bring up a, a good piece in that. And I, I've seen a lot of people miss this point of making people feel comfortable because this is kind of an uncomfortable thing to do. <laughs> and... Uh, like I kind of even forgot that we turned the cameras on for this because like you're just like you're pretty natural at doing this because you've been you've been doing things like this for a while. So it yes. wasn't there wasn't I didn't really need to prep you at all or anything or like, oh, well, here, what did you have for breakfast kind of thing? But um, I don't know, like I, I, I've seen I've been in situations actually and I was fucking pissed after this happened. But like I'm filming somebody who's clearly uncomfortable, but there's somebody else that's like, 
once they finish, like, hey, that was actually not good. Like, you should you should do this instead. What? And like, and it was a new customer, and I was like, I want and I wanted to be. It wasn't somebody that worked for me. It was somebody else, and and I was I wanted to be like, oh, I'm gonna fucking kill you. No! Shut up. Like, like that's that's the worst thing is to make somebody feel uncomfortable who's already unsure and insecure yeah. about this. Like, yeah, let me do everything I can to like facilitate a smooth process versus like, actually, Hey, here's what you did wrong. Like, <laughs> no dude. Like, <laughs> and I, now we got to go film another 10 minute thing. Like, no, <laughs> I feel like it's always a fine line. You have to dance with that person because yeah. I agree. I think that there's a way to do it, but also being a girl that's been a, that was in radio for the first 15 years of my life, every conversation I had after my radio shift was uncomfortable. It was very aggressive and it was very much like this is what you did wrong in that 30 whole seconds you got to talk. What was that so what was that like? Wait, so that's what it would happen every, most <laughs> oh my of God, the all the time, every time. <laughs> wow. So give me an example. Like what? All right. I will let you inside the CD underbelly yeah. of radio. So I got into radio when I was 15. No, not 15. Uh, 18 years old. Um, my first job was at my college because um, my dad was a big baseball player there. And the guy who ran the station knew my dad. And so thanks, dad, for getting me that job. Sweet. But I just really liked um, the non-grown upness about it. I liked that I could just get paid to talk about music. Okay. And so my first boss was really cool. He was more of a teacher. Obviously, it was a college campus, so that was a little easy going. Then I got into my first radio job in Memphis, Tennessee. And I mean, I was only, I was in pop radio. I was only allowed to talk maybe 45 seconds max. Out of how much of a time slot? Oh, my gosh. Well, like, no, like you'd have between 15 and 30 seconds to a, in a song. So like oh, in a God. whole between shift each. of five hours, you'd probably get, I'd say, maybe an hour talking maybe okay but they were all like quick 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 hey this next one by Britney Spears listen up no <laughs> <laughs> hit but, me baby one more time <laughs> see you could have been a great pop radio DJ <laughs> there we go <laughs> but still time after that you'd get brought into your boss's office and they would basically do an air check with you which is you listening back to yourself and they would critique everything about you and 90% of the radio people i worked with weren't positive reinforcers they were this sucks this is what you can do better oh this is how this one sucks this is how we can do it better you said too many words here chelsea this is how you know what i think you don't understand what the audience wants, Chelsea. This is what you can do better. And it was just a constant parade of like, really, these older guys that had no idea what they were talking about and didn't understand the audience. So you were super motivated after each oh. of these conversations. You were like, well, right, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I was more like super torn down. And then after I pulled myself back together, it was like, okay, you know, what can I do? But this is also like I'm in my 20s trying to figure out my own voice, who I am. And it was a lot of wear and tear. And I think a lot of what I experienced is how I have kind of translated how I coach my talent. So I kind of, like, I'm nice about it. But, like, if something's really bad, people can always tell because my face just reads so hard. I'll be like, all right, we got that out of the way. You feel better. You got all the bad stuff out. You got this. Let's do it. So it's like a little bit of that compliment sandwich. This was really da-da-da. This sucked, but let's fix it out on this end. Yeah. And that's kind of like the balance you okay. got to do. But right. thanks, radio. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate the the learning. Well, no, it's cool to be able to take stuff like that and then 
actually change it and do it how you want to. Yeah. I don't know. I think I picked that up from every place that I've worked is you, you go through, you take all the things that you see that work and then you take all the things that you see that don't work. You're like, I'm not going to do that shit wherever I go. But so how did you, so you were in radio for 15 years. So were you just, were you just, was it 15 years of like people like literally stabbing you in the stomach every day what is it it is a very savage industry but i will say i do have um, tons of amazing memories in radio i met some of the best people that you know are still my lifelong friends to this day i had some amazing mentors um through my time one was in destin his name was matt stone and he i really have to like give him a shout out because he kind of pushed me out of that nest of like a safety area and had me come down to here you know i was kind of happy where I was I like had my issues but I was like oh I'm I'm growing I'm building something here and he was like take this opportunity in this kind of area where you have real chances to succeed and to you know make some actual money in radio because that's the other big secret about radio you don't get paid very well at all like the pay is terrible really until you get to like a Miami and you're like one of those nationally syndicated morning shows or something like that. Yeah, it's I mean, it's a lot of people, even the public sandwich guy probably makes more than some people that are local to radio in here in this really? market, which is a wild thing to think about. Whoa. I know. I know. I'm All the curtains are going well, up. So how does that how do the <laughs> economics of that work? Um, you are just happy to have your job. You basically, <laughs> seriously, I told you, I was told all the time, like, be grateful for what you have. I mean, the perks are great. You get those concert tickets. You know, you do get to meet celebrities. You do get to do really cool events. I mean, yeah. you know, I really love that aspect of like interacting with the community and, and being that positive force and being someone who kind of could influence others. Um, and I always wanted to do it in a really positive way. Uh, but yeah, no. So the pay wasn't, you did it cause of, you were passionate about yeah. it, but there were, there are people that obviously succeeded and got the pay to go along with it. I was never that person in radio, sadly, but that's okay. Cause it brought me here. Um, I worked at a radio station that used to be here called 93 X. I did the morning show for a while. It was the first female led morning show of Southwest Florida. Um, really? I don't know if that's true, but I'm telling everybody that. So we're <laughs> all right. You heard it here first, <laughs> or one hundredth, one hundred percent. No. Um. But then, like, as things happened, the station flipped. They went a different direction. They chose not to keep me, and I was like, "Well, I love living here. My boyfriend's a boat mechanic. He loves working here. He had a great job, and I." Spent a year, almost a year of my life unemployed, just enjoying it. And then I happened to find my way into a marketing agency. I found a contact. A friend of mine just introduced me to the person who would hire me to get into marketing. And I just loved it. Yeah. I love marketing. It was so weird. I thought I would be a radio person. I thought I was going to die behind a microphone. But then I found marketing. and I was like, wait, I could retire and just do this for fun? Stop it. And then you realize how much work it is. So radio is just a ton of work too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's no retirement that happened, it sounds like. But there is no retirement. Well, so what was, like what translated between the two? Like what did you what did you take from radio that you brought into marketing? Oh man, thank God that we are in a day and age of marketing that we are now because I brought so many of my transferable skills in audio. You know, a lot of people within marketing companies don't understand podcasting and don't sure. understand it's it's a very complicated thing, whereas people I feel like me and you could kind of break it down into the baby steps to get it to that final product. 
um, social media. I, since I was always like the youngest girl at every station I worked, I was always like the social media director and like the person on doing all the apps. So social media marketing and then a little bit of influencer marketing. I understand what it is to connect to that audience and kind of be that brand and, and you know, speak on that Instagram level where it doesn't have to be perfectly scripted every single time, you know, that realness yeah. that comes with it. So I think that a lot of those skills that I had translated well. And I also just like to tell people that, I'm the kind of person that if I put my mind to something, then I don't know, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And people seem to like me for it. And that's like 90% of it. I think if you have people skills, you can literally get ahead in any career of your choice. 100%. <laughs> like, and and part of that too, actually, like, I don't, I haven't thought this out before, but with the people skills, if you can think about things from other people's perspectives. Mm -hmm. Like you can actually find the help that you need a lot easier because I feel one thing I do like about podcasting and, and this kind of industry that I'm in is um, I feel like it's the opposite of the cutthroat. Like, especially going to these podcast conferences and everything like that. Like everybody is just kind of telling everybody how they do things, what's worked. Like I've met a bunch of people that were way further ahead in this journey That's than awesome. I am. And they're like, Hey, oh, here's what you should do. Here, do this. Or like if you start working with a customer, focus on this. Or here's what you think is going to work, but actually it doesn't because <laughs> of X, Y, Z. And I, and and just by by kind of going and putting myself out there in a new industry, um, I don't know. It was it – was, I don't know. It was nice to be like well-received that way. But by focusing on meeting those people, understanding what they do, asking them about it. Yes. Like they taught me – so much stuff that I wouldn't even have known to ask. Like mm -hmm. it just kind of comes up in the conversations. Do you you know what I'm saying? Oh my God, totally. I absolutely agree with you. It is about just immersing yourself with people who love to do the same thing you did. I got into podcasting uh, roughly around, I guess, 10-ish years ago, maybe a little less. But um, my friend started a podcast network in Memphis, Tennessee, and he asked me just to kind of guest star on a couple of, sh of his shows. And that was like the first time I had even heard of a podcast. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you want me to do what? I was like, black nerd power? I don't <laughs> – can I be on this show? Is that okay? <laughs> like, I mean, and, and it was so fun. It was such a – different form of talking communicating where radio was so rigid in like the 30 seconds like all of a sudden we were able to talk and like yeah. have conversations cuss you could say fuck on it i was like what stop i can say that but i learned so much by being around people that had this kind of same passion as me and i learned something different from absolutely everybody and i mean even you know even here locally me and you met at a uh cornhole tournament <laughs> yeah and we were just gabbing along. And then I've learned so much just by following you and just having like conversations. So like even you have helped me up kind of my game on how to market podcasting because like podcasting is still such a niche medium that people don't understand how to use. So it's beautiful right now that everyone's kind of helping each other out and helping each other succeed because that's the only way we're really going to make it all take off and people really grasp this as the cool medium it is. Oh, that's cool. Thanks. Um, <laughs> it's always good to hear because sometimes, like you said, I feel like I'm talking into the void. I'm like, is this just a fucking waste of time? But like, um, well, and I think part of that too is like we were talking about, I think a lot of these, the radio stations or at least these channels that are pretty well regulated are a lot of times owned by kind of a small 
group mm-hmm. of companies. And so you have this, uh, this I don't know, funnel hierarchy kind of effect. Whereas mm-hmm. what I'm seeing with podcasts is um, those businesses are trying to get in the space and they – They'll probably figure out how to get in the space, but like uh, you see a lot of these businesses like Spotify um, or Paramount or whoever might be, or even Amazon. They they invest all this money in these different podcasts and things, and then and then I don't know. I saw it like six months ago, but like a bunch of podcasts got canceled, and you're like, oh wow, podcasts could get canceled. This is happening now, or like yeah. it's just like a like a TV show where it's mm-hmm. like, well, this isn't feasible anymore, so we canceled it. And what I like about this is that it's individual platform. So I can build something on my own. Yes, it's going to take me a lot more time. It's a lot more work for me personally. But like you said, I have more control. I kind of say whatever I want. I can have whoever I want on. It's yours. It's mine. And like we can have these open conversations and – yeah, I don't know. It's it's something that I don't – I think that's maybe why it's able to be so open and people are willing to share and talk about it because by me having a successful podcast doesn't actually hurt you. There's not a – there's not a – there's finite amounts of attention that people have, but there's not finite bandwidth or like airtime. Yeah. If, if that makes sense, like I think that – abundance of channels mm-hmm. although it makes things smaller and more decentralized and harder to get famous or whatever i think that makes it so there's more of a playing field for everybody to to be on it and you can really you can kind of do whatever you want it doesn't mean yeah. it's going to work but you could do really <laughs> weird shit and people will be like i like this stuff. i know it's crazy the stuff that people get away with on podcasting i can't even <laughs> like i tell people all the time like look y'all they're like how do you become viral how do you go famous i said y'all if i could figure out how to go viral i mean a woman put on a wookie mask outside of a Kohl's and like it was the, the highest viewed video of you know 2019 or whatever year that video came out i mean like but that's the beauty of podcasting. Like you said, you can get weird. You can have those moments. And who knows? Maybe one of those moments will go out. It'll get viral. But what I like about it is that it offers a level of realness, yeah. especially when you're getting business owners on here, because authenticity is so important these days. And it's so important to figure out what's going on behind the business. Like you said, there are those places that you go and you're like, hey, Mr. CEO, let's talk five minutes about the brand. And he's like, I'm too busy. But people want to follow CEOs. They want to be inspired by these people leading other different businesses. And the small business owner has had such a huge, like, boost, especially over these past five years or so. So it's really cool to let them use a platform like this to get their message out because it's such a good way, as you said, to grow that content, have that marketing plan and kind of use it with your strategy of things. For sure. Well, and and that's kind of why I differentiated the two because I had this one. So this one's called the Chine On Podcast because it's Chris Hine, C. Hine, and that was like my mm-hmm. email. And that's what people at my old job called me. It was Chine. So I was like, <laughs> all right, Chine On, why not? And then uh, I was doing it and then I had a few business owners on, but I also had musicians i had my friends on talk about just random shit like one (laughs) one episode we did was in here before we put this thing on pause it was me two of my buddies we had a group from idaho the idaho crypto group that sounds amazing taught us about like cryptocurrencies nfts and like other use cases for nfts and how it relates to real world like race car events and that was awesome 
And then they hung up on Zoom and then we proceeded to play on YouTube like the brown note and like different <laughs> like different stupid shit like that. And I'm like, there's there no biz, there's gotta be a separation because there's gonna be I need to create a place these business owners can come on and actually talk about their business and have a a professional but open <laughs> conversation and that can live there because I I can't have me and my buddies playing the brown note right. and then it's like hey you're the and you're the your CEO business. of a of a bank right why don't you come on the China on podcast and talk to me yeah yeah no no I know this is, what are I know your feelings about the, on the brown note? yeah <laughs> hey I've got something to play for you sir can you uh <laughs> so I wanted to create that distinction but it's cool that you can do that because it's now the way the technology is like the cost of me to do that is way lower oh, than yeah. it's like hey start a different like here buy this frequency of a oh like my a, god right and then it's just owning a radio station is is just a money pit of like the people who like do online radio stations i'm like why why like would you do an online radio station like just have a podcast channel that way you can employ people they could pay for your airtime or your channel space like and then and then but there, those are people who like have been in radio their whole life, and that's all they know how to do. Yeah. But I agree. I so since I had radio forever, and then I would use my podcast for fun. People would be like, "Oh, you should start your own podcast again," because I used to have one called Coffee with Chelsea. Really? Yeah. I was just super bored during COVID, and I like needed something to do. So I was like, "Oh, let me dust off my podcast board and start a podcast." Did you? So it was moderately successful um well so what did you what did you do on it like what did you what was the format what would you talk about i would just have people on i would invite them on it was during covid so it would always be zoom calls for the most part and then we would just talk about really whatever kind of like your china on one um the only catch was i always so i always had my coffee mug but I always had alcohol in it because I would tell people constantly, like, I do not want to have to do more like radio or podcasting unless like I'm drinking, yeah. period. <laughs> so that would be my whole thing. So we would just like have a couple of I would have brought some booze here today. <laughs> I almost did, but I didn't know what kind of podcast this was. But You just got to ask next time. <laughs> and I would have been like, all right, I'm going to Uber home. When I come back, we'll, we'll <laughs> have some time? beer. Yeah, we'll do our favorite local beers because I love drinking craft beer. Okay, it's like I'm my in dream to do the southwest florida ale trail but like as a podcast where you go to each one talk to the brewers and then like drink beer and it's like a whole like you hear the stories of the bar that's pretty sweet <laughs> yeah i have ideas yeah i have another fun podcast idea this one this one is probably my new favorite one so coffee with chelsea was fun and then i got my marketing job and kind of like petered off but my newest podcast idea chris you're gonna love this let's hear it it's called people i met at the bar and literally the whole conversation is just about stories about people you met at the bar. Like, that's it. And then you have people on because I have, I'm telling you, every time I go to the bar, I sit next to the craziest people who tell me the best stories. And so I just thought it would be a really cool podcast. Bring let's, it in. Let's do, a, let's do a sample version of this podcast. <laughs> okay. What is what is a story that you've heard recently that blew your mind? So let me tell you about Pam. And right. my my girl Pam that I met at the bar, <laughs> um, Palace was the wine pub we were at, and oh, up in, uh, yeah, Cape? in the Cape, okay. yeah, that's where I live. So me and my friend were there, and we were just kind of like gabbing about work stuff. My friend got this like really amazing job. Um, she's like running a marketing department for this like medical company, and she's talking about the sales guy that's just like pissing her off and everything. And I was like, you got to walk in there with that big dick energy, girl, and you just got to lay it on the table and be like, it's either me or him. And I said. Women can do this now. So obviously I'm like three glasses of wine deep. <laughs> it's feeling super motivational. Yeah. 
out of nowhere, my girl Pam goes, you should tell him I don't deal in miniatures. I was like, who are you? Pam is the original big dick energy woman because she grew up with five brothers, a military household, and she put them all in the place. And she does not deal in miniatures. Fuck. I know. (laughs) I don't deal in miniatures either. (laughs) You know what, Pam? I'm on the same page as you. If you're seeing this. The original BDE. (laughs) (laughs) Now we say big Pam energy, me and me and my friend. That's our. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Thank you, Pam. Appreciate your service. Right? Thank you for your service. <laughs> That's a good idea. Because you hear all kinds of crazy shit at bars. I don't go to bars anymore. I have a one-year-old daughter, oh. and I, like I feel like if I at this point if I went to a bar, I'd be like in trouble. Like, what the fuck are you at a bar? <laughs> no, it's totally fine. I go to bars all the time. People have their kids there hanging out at breweries. Not a big deal. Breweries are okay. I think breweries, it's like, be, it's okay to have kids there. Sometimes with the bars though, you're like, what is going on here, dude? Why is like this like, three-year-old kid running around? It's like, this is like a dingy bar. What's going on? Right? Are they going to take a shot? Are they Ubering them home later? I have questions here. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I've definitely heard crazy stories at bars, but I've just like, I've just been part of different things that are always interesting. College, I went to college here, so like, okay, you saw all kinds of stuff. I think Rusty's Island Park before they shut down. Oh, I heard stories. Yeah, and it's like a real college bar, like real kind of shithole <laughs> bar. I'm I'm glad they closed down in some ways. I remember one time uh, I was there and. Uh, it was. It wasn't. A, I won't give too much information, but basically, Ooh. I had finished a round of antibiotics for having strep throat. Oh no! Um, and this is actually a recurring theme in my life, so I'm going to try to not get strep throat because this always <laughs> happens. I I was just getting over strep throat. I had uh, I had passed like a big test at the company that I was at, and I re- and I got home. I'm in bed, like done. But everyone's like, we have to go out. We have to celebrate. We have to do this. So go out. You start drinking and uh, skip a few of the details. But we're at Rusty's <laughs> Island Park. And, like, it was to the point. This happens with antibiotics. But, like, you're kind of so out of it that there was, like, some girl was just, like, throwing up all over the floor. And I was oh wearing my God. flip-flops. I didn't get them directly on my feet. But, like, right next no. to me. And all my friends were like, dude, what the fuck? Like, move out of the way. And they like pull me out i don't know there's it's not even a good story but there's so many (laughs) different things like that at rusty's island park that were just like this place is a (laughs) shithole i don't know why where this came from but i bet the stories that would come from the bartenders at rusty's island park would be phenomenal yeah you have to think about that like that's the whole point of like i i would if i if i was to do this podcast with you after that (laughs) fucking terrible story i just told i mean it's not about making yourself look like the the crazy person that people meet at the bar (laughs) no i i haven't even thought about being at a bar in like so long i've been like you know like a world of beer it almost doesn't even count as far but like (laughs) it's been so long i don't even have those i'm like in dad mode right now so i don't even have those memories so like all right so give me another one give me another was a good story so oh another bar story save save this from my (laughs) shit story i just told well i was gonna tell you another podcast idea i had with a my friend that i used to have a game of throne podcast with he uh, is also a dad he has a 
three-ish year old now and a one-year-old. So every time I talk to him, he tells me about children's shows and he like critiques them. He's like, don't even get me started on that bitch Doc McStuffins. And I was like, I already love this. Like that's the tagline for our podcast. Like, so I think you could do a whole podcast for dads critiquing children's shows. I, million dollar that's idea. That's yours. You you take it. You <laughs> run with it. I'm not a dad and I have no children and I don't watch children's shows. I'll keep my bar podcast. <laughs> I think you have the capacity to do both. You need to, then you need to produce that podcast to make that happen because I, she's, she's at the point now where Coco Melon is, uh, oh, Coco Melon's on pretty frequently. <laughs> if you're ever interested in some real bangers, I'd say, uh, season six of Coco Melon episode one. Okay. There's some good songs on there. The bug safari song is, uh, <laughs> top hit. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. Uh, and next on Coco Melon. Yeah. Bug Safari. <laughs> Actually, that'll be my next podcast is reviewing Coco Melon songs. All right. We're going to go through the full season. We're going to break down each of these songs. It'll go viral. Yeah. You watch I, it. That will be the podcast that will just take it off into the stratosphere. I, th- I think so. I think that's the that's the next move. Uh, Ty, write that down so we don't uh, we don't forget that. I think. The music, honestly, that's though. That's a great name for it. Music actually. Theory of Coco Melon. Honestly, I I've. After so I found out that Ty is like a he's like a fucking musical savant. I didn't know this at the time. Are I, you now? So I hired him because he produces own music, and then I figure, okay, it'd be easy to to translate to podcast production. And yeah. like he had done some video stuff, like not to the extent that we're doing it now, but like, and then all of a sudden one time, so I have the guitar in the other room, and I was just like messing around, and he's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, uh, the, all those chords you're playing are like. Uh, Diminish majors and uh, you seventh uh, D sharp minors, <laughs> and then if you do this kind of transition with a uh, play the note on the eleventh, and you just go into this, you have a lot of uh, you know you you can do this and, and have really good resolution there. I was like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> and then it turns out he knows all this stuff. But on that Coco Melon, now that he like put this stuff in my head, I listen to like the music in Coco Melon, it. and I'm like. This is like good music theory. Like that they, like it's like well produced music. And right? I'm like, all right, I can see why how this became popular. It's like most people don't think about the music production piece of it, but I'm like, oh, I gotta hand it to whoever <laughs> whatever is like Bing Fong is the name of the company or something. <laughs> like This is why Disney movies are still good. The animated with like the Encanto that just came out, uh, don't talk about Bruno, that's a banger. So, and I am not embarrassed that I like it. I, I it's didn't, a good one. I didn't see the movie, but I, my wife was watching it and she, and I was like looking at the animation and it was like, it's this a looks like, re, like the backgrounds though look real. Like you, it's, it's like incredible. It's crazy. It's really incredible what they can do with animation now. Oh yeah. And then, I, and then you go into like, I don't know, you go into like After Effects or in like DaVinci Resolve and you try to make like a title pop up and you're like, this looks like a fucking <laughs> third grader made this. Like, what the fuck? Dude? You're, like those people are so talented that can do all that stuff. Like I, I can't even like begin to, you know, I'm like, I push buttons and yeah. like talk and I feel like that is just such, I remember growing up and being like, what can I do with this talent? Because I felt like it wasn't a talent, you know, like yeah. being that kind of a person. I couldn't draw things. I'm not like good at math or anything like that. I, I'm fairly athletic, but I'm not tall or anything. So, yeah, it's weird how, you know, you see things like that and like people like us are like, this is amazing. But then people see us do stuff like this and they're like, that is amazing. Yeah. Like, oh, man, I saw that you did this and you're like, 
Oh, I just kind of sat there and I was talking. But like, all right, cool. <laughs> and then Coco Melon came up, and then yeah. there was some Disney stuff, and then it was like, why didn't anyone bring beer? Like, what's up with yeah. this? <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with these people? Well, and it's kind of crazy too, like how people find you doing these things, right? Like, did you ever? Has anybody ever come up to you like after you make these podcasts or you make anything that you put out that you're part of, and they're like, "Oh, I saw this thing," or "Oh, I saw you in this," and you're like, "You saw like." How? Oh yeah! Isn't it? Isn't it pretty? It's cool. It's. I think since I did radio for so long, like I kind of was used to people knowing me. I found a lot of joy in people commenting on the things I created for other people. The other people. That's cool. So when I would go out and like you know the person who hosted that podcast would be like, oh, uh, I you know had someone stop me the other day and talk to me about how much they liked this last episode, and I was like, oh my god. Like, that's something that I conceptualized and created, and it's, like, fucking good. Like, yes. And it was a weird new sort of pride because it goes from being, like, that personality and that's very forefront all the time and learning how to take a step back but not also be a backseat person. Mm -hmm. Like, it's still – you're still kind of in the forefront, but you're allowing someone else to be that star. And and it's a very cool feeling, I feel like, when people recognize my work now – Versus like even just me. Yeah. You get to be in that producer role where you actually like m- move the ball forward, but you're not like the the star. Yeah. It's a weird, it's like a weird freedom because you can kind of like go with how you think things need to go because you work so closely with the host. I feel like the host producer is such like a symbiotic relationship because you two are really driving the ship of how everything needs to go. And you almost need to be finishing each other's thought patterns and sentences and, you know, when you find someone that you're really on that same page with, what a cool relationship that is. Yeah. Like, I always wanted to have a radio show where I had a second person and and I had a co-host and, you know, we worked off each other. And that was the first time I got to actually have, like, that experience when I had that podcast that was very much like me and my client were dead on with each other. Like, I could I could highlight the things that I knew were the big things to say. And it was like they knew where I was coming from. And it was a beautiful, like, kind of seamless transaction. It made it not feel like work. Yeah. It made it fun. Yeah. No, that's a cool – it's a cool distinction when you get to that – that like that fun zone. I hate to say it that way, but it's <laughs> exactly. like once you can once you can gel like that, and it's like, all right, this is cool. Like, yes. I, I'm having a good time with this because all this shit is like, it's really easy to have a bad time. Yeah, doing this make it feel like a job, and then it's like, oh, I got to do this again, and that's not what people want to see. Like, if if you're gonna be on it, and you still, it is still a level of entertainment. You still have to be a level of informative or entertaining and really a mix of both in this this day and age when you have the video element to go along with it. But no, it's about kind of getting on that footing. And I think you've done well to build your team here. And so that kind of shows in everything that y'all do too. So that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, yeah. thanks. No problem. You know, I'm just here to give you compliments today, Chris. (laughs) I I appreciate it. You know, know, really, that's kind of what I brought you here for. That's that's why I'm paying you to be. (laughs) Right? I was like, where's the the check? (laughs) It'll it'll be here soon. Don't you worry. It's coming. It's uh, it's, it's right around the corner. Um, My account, it's uh, it's locked for the holiday. Gotcha, gotcha. After the first, no problem. Yeah, just, uh, but then there's Sunday, so it's like, all right, we'll we'll figure it out next week. No problem, no problem. I'll have that to you. (laughs) Thanks, bud. (laughs) No problem. But like also, you know, actually, one of the things I learned from like being in a band, one of the reasons why I, I think I resented it after a while was that I would, you know, I was setting all the stuff up. Like obviously the other band members were setting like, 
they'd set their bass up or their guitar or their drums. But as the person kind of moving the band forward, like I would always just be loading all the drums in or helping people load mm-hmm. the amps up. And then I kind of set my stuff up last. And it's just this constant like frantic, mm-hmm. like, all right, that other band just got off. I got to get all my stuff there. I got to get set up. We got to do sound check. Shit, I hit my the neck of my guitar against the thing. So all the like four of the strings are out of tune. Like now I got to tune that back up. Now I'm all nervous. And then you get on stage and you're like, like that's how you start the show. It's like, oh, oh fuck. my gosh, and so, so tight. And so doing this stuff when it was just me, and then like I had my buddy who was kind of, was my co-host, but I was doing all the setup, and mm-hmm. I didn't have like a set space that we were doing at half the time either. So I'd basically be. It was almost like being back in the band again yes! where you had to like set all that shit up at that time and it was like break it all right down. by the by the time you go live and have the co-host I was just like I wasn't really able to be in that mental space that I could then like gel really well like you said where you now when you kind of get to be in that producer role like instead of having a co-host of a show that you're the the star of mm-hmm. but you get to gel with that person it's I, that's kind of a nice feeling where you you can be running things and not be the star the of the like show, the but microscope. you yeah, but you get to like help move it along. Yeah, and I don't know. It's that's actually kind of a nice you distinction. Still shape it. Yeah, yeah, well, and that's like now with having Ty here and and having somebody else to like run that section of it. Like, it's much easier for me to just sit down and like. Let's get into this conversation. Yeah. As the talent, you need to have someone be that extra set of ears anyway. Like, I'm sure Ty hears things that are probably a little bit, you know, he has a different opinion on what probably should go out versus you. And then sometimes I'm sure y'all are right on the same page. But, like, I find that when I would edit myself, I wouldn't listen to myself with a critical ear. I wouldn't be my own producer Mm -hmm. because it was just exhausting to wear both those hats. So to be able to as you said, kind of separate yourself from that microscope and be like, okay, what do I need to do to make this show the best one that's ever gone out? It's not about how I look, how I'm talking, am I sitting up straight? Yeah. It's about that final product and that's what you get to focus on, which is such like a weird freaking feeling. I, <laughs> yeah, one of my is. favorite podcasts I did this year was one we did right after the hurricane. Uh, we talked to the United Way and it was just, fucking heartbreaking it was like so sad like all the stuff that they had to be dealing with like the stories that i mean i cried multiple times editing this but as i was listening to it and editing it i had this like stroke of like oh my gosh i know exactly how to open this and i grabbed like snippets of like different um news channels talking about the hurricane a little bit of the president's speech and it was like this beautiful perfect opener that like kind of set the whole tone and i remember not telling anyone about it and being like i'm just gonna do it like that's just how i am and i sent it off and everyone's like this was perfect but it was once again like from a conversation to be like inspired to make it into this perfect like this great end product that is moving and compelling and and hopefully sticks with people the way it sticks with you yeah well and it's it's I think that takes experience too, though. Like mm-hmm. you've been doing this for a while to the point where you can hear something like that as you're going through and you're like, got it. <laughs> I know what to do. <laughs> and it takes a while. Absolutely. It's not, it's not easy to find. And it can be freaking tedious oh my to gosh. find all this stuff. You know what I found? I actually, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do a LinkedIn live with them maybe next week, but Ooh. there's a company. Uh, they're not even a company. It's like a group of college students from Texas that are, trying to simplify like the 
clip finding and clip creation process. I forgot. This is what I forgot to tell you. So um, <laughs> I was like, uh, there's something I, I needed to tell them. So they're trying to make it easy for like AI that they've kind of developed to go through a whole podcast episode and find a lot of these clips for you and kind of present them back to you. So I don't know. It was, it's, I think it's it, a little nerve wracking. I'm excited about it because <laughs> all, so this is how I look at this stuff. I don't know how you look at this stuff, but I don't look at that stuff as a job replacement for people, mm -hmm. at least because I'm, we're a smaller company. We're a lean team. Yeah. Um, like I look at this stuff, especially for the next five or 10 years as like an assistant yeah. to that person. So like, it gives you the ability to maybe scale while reducing the amount of time that you spend finding these clips, finding all this stuff where like something can present this stuff to you at 80% accuracy. And you're like, that's close. Let me like take the beginning, extend that. Let me chop a little bit off the end. Boom. Export. Cool. All right. Let me look at this. Boom. And so that way you could take like an hour or an hour and a half long thing mm -hmm. and then shrink that down into Maybe that took me 20 minutes yeah. instead. So that way, it's like you can pay somebody more and they can do like three times, kind of like three times the yeah. amount of work in the same amount of time. Maybe it's just double the amount of work, whatever it might be. They never translate perfectly, but you can pay that person like a decent chunk more, but you can keep a lean team huh. and keep things moving. Do you like teach the AI? That would be my question of it. Like, is that's, it a learnable? I mean, it, it's AI, so it has to be a learnable intelligence. That's what I talk to them about. Because one of the things that I see wrong with a lot of the AI tools that are out there or that's not fully thought through is the parameters that you set at the beginning. Like, mm -hmm. it's a lot of these AI tools that I've seen that are supposed to help you with marketing mm -hmm. or any of this content creation stuff it's very much like hey upload it and then we'll tell you like we'll give you back <laughs> something kind of and it's cool that like that's happening that there's even a freaking software that I can know. do something like that that kind of blows my mind but i want to be able to put that in like so like ty can go in and be like all right i need 10 clips from this hour-long thing and i want them to like focus on this like, word. Yeah, this word or even just like this theme, like helping customers. Like yeah. find me all the clips where they talk about how they help customers. Like so that way if these people want to put out content that's related to that, like I can set those parameters. So that was one thing I talked to him about. Like, hey guys, if you can solve that piece with this, like that might actually help like be a valuable tool for actual content creators yeah. who do it professionally or even better if like those ais could crawl the web for the sentience or the sentiments from that industry that would that are like the most searched things the most like if you could have those ais work with google to essentially pull out the best seo savvy stuff oh that yeah that would be truly amazing because in as we both know in the web world it's all about seo and everybody's now an seo expert in the rage and i am not an seo expert i am learning more every day as as are most of us who do this yeah. but that in my opinion would be the coolest thing that those ais could do if i could be like okay i have a podcast that talks about gardening 
what are the top hits as far as gardening goes on searches and pull out quotes that involve that and then transcribe it while you're at it because the transcription, as you know, is so important for the web crawling. Yeah. So that would be really cool as far as that AI technology. That could, I feel like, help you more than you just being like, this is our key phrase or this is our keyword. Like you could actually be like, look, we searched the internet and these are the top 10 phrases that people search for on gardening. For sure. For sure. I don't know why it has that voice. If they need a voice, I I already just auditioned. So all right, perfect. I'll get you in touch with them. I think this is I think this is going to be good. I know this. Hey, I interviewed her. She's been on radio she's, for fifteen years. She's got a good voice. I'll play you this clip. Yes. <laughs> I got you. Don't Watch worry. out, Siri. Yeah. <laughs> Coming for you Coming for your job. Coming for you, bitch. <laughs> That's my winter voice. Oh, okay. So, um. <laughs> shit well <laughs> so then you so you went from radio to marketing yeah so when did you when did you go get into marketing i got into marketing august 2020 uh during covid actually really yeah i i thought okay yeah i thought you'd have been i don't know i thought you had been in marketing for like 10 years i know basically. i'm so good at like giving people that impression I, i'm a big believer in i'm see i am actually <laughs> serious i'm not blowing smoke i thought all right well, I mean, I kind of have been in marketing for over 10 years. Because you you do learn the aspects of the advertising, what it's like Social to media, okay. branding. I mean, you know, one of my jobs in radio was a brand manager. So that was literally like taking that brand and elevating it and really connecting with that community. So so it's only been two years of actually moving. Formal. Formal. But you've been. It. Okay. Yeah. All right. Then that makes a lot of Informally, sense. Because I'm like, how the fuck do you know all this stuff? <laughs> But no, I feel like, honestly, getting that job in an agency is such a great reason of honing in these skills that I already had. They were, like, very raw at that point, and it was very, like, loose. I didn't know how to conceptualize an idea and then make it a creation. I knew how to have ideas, but I didn't know all that process. And so really getting a job in marketing and choosing to cho- to change careers at the point I did, I think was a really smart move for me yeah. because I don't have any children. I'm not like tied down to anything quite yet. I can still be a little risky. Sure. Um, so I thought, you know, marketing is, a, is an area that there's a lot of opportunities, whereas in radio, when you get out of a job, you have to move out of the city more than likely okay. or move out of the state to get another job. And I had kind of been blackballed uh, as far as media jobs in the area. So I knew I wasn't going to get a media job anytime soon. I know. It was a whole thing, man. Like, it's a savage world. I told you. It's a savage world. Very common. <laughs> if you don't want to go into it, I don't want to pry, but like, I, can you talk about that in a roundabout I way? Mean, yeah. Like, so... When, when it was time to go in the other direction in my radio job, um, since they didn't basically, they didn't have me do my whole contract. So they said, well, you can get a job in media since that's your basically marketable talent. You can get a job locally and we won't stop you. I was like, that sounds great. Of course, I go to the com- competition radio station group and immediately try to get a job. They were totally going to hire me. And then I find out. There's no way I can get hired. They like the other company had put a stop to it. Like no TV stations would talk to me. No radio stations would talk to me. So I was just kind of sitting here like dead duck in the water, like a radio girl with no radio job. Like, what am I supposed to do with my life? And I just 
I was lucky to where I had some money saved. So I was like, all right, you know, I can maybe do some dog training on the side because I was like kind of getting into that and then maybe like do, you know, a little bit of podcasting. But once again, I have to be very careful about what I do because this is a bigger company that could take legal action against me because anything I create while I'm there is technically owned by them. And they had already been playing dirty, so I just didn't want to get in any trouble. So uh, I just kind of thought about it and, like I said, didn't want to move and thought, well, maybe I could do something like marketing. It's got a lot of opportunity. I don't have to leave Southwest Florida. And my friend introduced me to his old boss and me and her hit it off. And seven months later from interviewing, I got the job. I had to go through like four different interviews and had to basically talk to all these like badass marketing pros that were like asking me all these questions I didn't know the answer to. And I was like reading, I was like doing research online at night. And then like I made the quickest portfolio you've ever seen in your life. I just taught myself how to use everything. And just, I am a big fan of manifesting my shit. And so when I was like, I'm going to do this, I manifested it and I got that job and I was like, I'm going to learn everything. And so that's where I took that raw talent and that like passion to succeed in this area because this is kind of like the bow and the then the passion to succeed in this area and like push it forward. And the bow on my radio Sunday from these people that blackballed me was that the same company awarded me the Gulf Shore Business 40 Under 40 Award and put me in a magazine within my new career in marketing versus like when I was working for the company that owns that magazine and like nothing like it just it was wild I was like all these people that fired me have to watch me accept an award and be in their magazine I was like fuck that's awesome in your face I did it (laughs) I succeeded I told you people (laughs) I'm one of a kind (laughs) that's poetic (laughs) I think that's 90% of it man I think it's just about knowing knowing that you can do it and proving everybody wrong. Yeah. As you, I'm sure you know, naysayers are just ugh, a dime a dozen and just being like, I got this. Like, Well, and in your case, it's like it's real, real naysayers because for me in a lot of cases, it's very much internal, mm-hmm. like very much like, oh, I'm not sure. Then you face like sales rejection and you <laughs> face like all that kind of stuff. It's, it's sucks. Self-doubt oh, sucks, dude. And, that's a big thing that I've been so all right. I want to ask you about this manifesting. So what do you okay. so what do you mean by manifesting? Okay, so this is gonna sound crazy. When I was in radio doing part-time radio in Memphis, Tennessee, and just like really down on life, I was a real low point for me. Nothing had been working out correctly. I was still moving nowhere and I was just uh and I remember this one girl that I was really mean to in radio. We had had like a great day. So we were just getting along. And I was like, oh, this is so nice. And I decided to stop being a mean girl and kind of just like look at her as a comrade. You know, we're in the same fight. I don't know why they're pitting us against each other. Like we're two women in this very savage industry. We should support each other. So she told me, she was like, you know, when I really wanted this job and I wanted to get out of the situation I was in, she goes, I went outside and I just said out in the universe, I'm going to get a morning show radio job and I'm going to move and it's going to change my life. And I was like, yeah, bitch, that sounds crazy. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, then comes this opportunity to get a radio job in Florida. And I walked out and I said, I just want to get this job offer and I want to move to Florida and I'm going to change my entire life. And like, that's the day it's going to really start. And I'm just going to succeed. No more failing. 
just success. And I got the job offer, and it has not been all successes, but I have had that same mindset. You know, even with getting this job that I recently got, I went out and I said, I'm good with where I'm at now, but you know what? What's next? This is what I want, universe. This is what I'm going to get. And every time I want something, I just go outside and I just (laughs) tell the universe, this is what I want. And then I just take those steps and work to get it. And it's a little bit of luck too, but I believe in manifesting your, I believe in manifesting what you want. So when you have that, right, and you like put that out, what do you notice changes about your behavior or the way that you like look at each situation or opportunity versus being an obstacle? Like when you decide like, okay, this is something that I want, like how how does all of that change? I feel like it's just a battle every day anyway, because I, just like you, suffer from plenty of self-doubt. You know, you you spend years with people telling you you're not good enough. Trust me, on some level, you're going to believe it a little bit. And I, I always tell bosses, like, I get in my way all the time. Like, I always am going to be 10 times harder on myself than any boss will ever be on me. I am my own worst critic and my own cheerleader. So... By going out and manifesting things and saying what I want to the universe, I think what it allows me to do is forgive myself on those days where it's bad and I'm okay. not progressing towards my goal and I feel like a real big fat failure and I just want to go like kind of have a, 10 beers and forget about it. But then I start the next day and I'm like, all right, what's going on? Where are we at here? You know, it's 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 about keeping that positive mindset. And do you have to refresh that every day? Like, is that something that you have to work on every day? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I have to look at myself in the mirror and be like, girl, you are allowed to win today. It is okay. Like, you can have a great, like, moment or a great day and not overanalyze every situation. Like, is you it know. fucked up that that's like a, like, <laughs> that's like a thought? Like Every time. I, I ha- so I have had this with, like, money recently. Mm-hmm. And so it's, uh, uh, in some ways, you you kind of say, I don't know if you have this with like success or with the things that you want to do, but like in some ways you can go like, oh, I don't de- like I don't deserve that oh, in a yes, weird way all the time. And so uh, it's just something that this like these uh, recurring uh, positive thoughts or like positive self talk, all that stuff that's been really helpful for addressing that. It is, is something I have to work on every day because it's I don't know I don't know where the fuck they got this from but like it's something i have to break out of because it's so easy for me to go back into that habit of the self-doubt or like Mm -hmm. why would i do this and and then when i get into that zone it ruins the whole day kind of i know and so and so you have like an entire day that is kind of shot and so in the past month or so i've been actually like getting this in line but like I'll wake up in the morning, go for a bike ride, and I literally like say the same thing to myself nice. over and over again while I'm riding my bike. And I kind of like say like under my breath, just in case like there's anybody there. Like I don't want to be like <laughs> fucking crazy guys like <laughs> like talking to you himself. have to give yourself pep talks. Absolutely, yeah, that's but it, so important. It's been helpful in terms of uh, I think, and I think like you said with the manifesting stuff. When I, whenever I would hear that from people, I'd be like. Okay, crazy. <laughs> cool. Manifest away. <laughs> Manifest destiny. Here you go. Like, and I was like, all right, this is this is stupid because I'm I don't know. I'm kind of like a cynical person Same. as it is. I try not to be like. I try not to like <laughs> be too cynical because then people are like, dude, what the fuck is like? What's are you okay? Like, I call it being a realist most of the time, and that's my like crutch on it. So no, I totally get it. But you'd be like, getting past that has been 
pretty helpful in terms of just the business. And I, the reason why I ask like how it changes your behavior, because it makes me, instead of thinking of all those things that I get like sucked into those negative <sighs> thoughts or the, like, worst. the doubt or whatever it might be, I start then focusing on that stuff. And then the goal becomes either some version of like, I don't want to be doubtful. So then you like, then everything you do is like around not being something or everything <laughs> you do is around like, well, actually I'm kind of comfortable in this like doubt spot versus when you set your goal of like, all right, I want it. I know that the next thing's coming. Like that's where I'm going. Then I, I've noticed that all of my thoughts, my actions, all the behavior kind of changes to be like, okay, let me move in that direction mm -hmm. so I can actually move towards success. Yes. And you, by virtue of like aiming towards that success, you kind of can move, you are moving away from yeah. like the negative piece of it. Does that make sense? You keep, look, it's doubt is like a weight. It just like keeps you from getting to the top of the surface. Like it just brings you deeper and down, like into that dark hole. Like if you're swimming in a pool, it just brings you down. That's all doubt does, man. And like, I, I totally understand. And I've totally been this person. I mean, when I got 40 under 40, I was like, oh, it must have been slim pickings this year if I got it. And people were like, why are you so down on yourself? Even like securing the job, uh, you know, I, I was like, oh. Guys, like, I, I don't, they are crazy to hire me. And people are like, you're phenomenal. And it, it, at some point, I had to be like, if so many people are telling me this, why can't I just believe it? Yeah. Like, even if it's just for today, just for today, for these next four hours, I'm awesome. I'm a badass. I'm going to go kick ass today. And that mindset has helped me so much get out of my own way of success. You know, I think the hardest thing I did, you know, kind of you talked about money. The hardest thing I did was learn to ask for what I'm worth. And yeah. it's so uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. Like asking for that amount that you truly believe you're worth. And in radio, like I said, I was kind of taught you're just lucky to have a job here and you'll get what you get and shut up and here's a free concert ticket and pizza. Um, but but this I'm not better. <laughs> what? <laughs> this past year, I made the challenge to myself to really stand by what I thought I was worth. And I did it and it was uncomfortable. And I feel it, like you're going to die. I honestly thought my heart was going <laughs> to explode. I texted people that like I had a 171 heart rate. I mean, I thought my heart was going to explode, but I, I asked for what I was worth. And then when the conversation didn't go my way, I had a very, very challenging thought with myself. Like, okay, do I go after what I truly think I'm worth or do I just settle? And I've never been one to settle. So then that just presented its whole new challenge to myself to succeed. Yeah. Well, and and plus it's those conversations that you have that that kind of lead up to that feeling when you finally make the decision to like, oh, I'm gonna all right, I'm gonna do this at the level that it's worth. Because because I don't know, I did this, but you end up selling yourself short so so many times oh leading up to that or undervaluing. Like I had this with so the business podcast, that one is like, it's a whole service like yeah. you and I talked about, but it's like a whole service. And initially when I put it together, like I kind of put the idea out and then I asked people to pay for it and everyone's like, oh, oh. so I was like, fuck, all right, I got to do five <laughs> of these for free basically. So people have any concept of what I'm talking about. And then I went to sell it to people. And so, and it's just, sometimes you're just asking the wrong people or talking to the mm -hmm. wrong people because they're not seeing it, but they're like, why would I? And at the time, that was only 500 bucks. And I was like, 
Did you pay five hundred bucks? Like, please, maybe? <laughs> please and, pay me five hundred dollars. But you're making great content for them, so it's obviously worth more. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, no, the studio didn't cost me freaking thirty thousand dollars worth of shit. Like, and you could totally do this for way less, probably, right? So like, I would be talking to people that would be like, whoa, why would you charge that? Like, you got to be doing this or that. Like, and then and and then so you get all this doubt, and then finally, I remember one day I was talking to somebody. And, and, uh, I was like, yeah, it'll be this much. And they were like, cool. And I was like, a whole different vibe. Yeah. And at the, at the (laughs) point I was almost like, are you like, you sure? And they're like, did you hear me right? And I was like, I kind of, huh? No, no, this was months ago. This is months ago. This hey, Ty, if happened? I hadn't, if I hadn't gotten past this stage, I wouldn't have near, I wouldn't have any money to pay you. <laughs> Um, I see, I still go through it. It's not like, it's not like a one and done type thing. Well, and cause you deal with people I, that, well, and that was it. And that was one thing that was the other price raids that I did the first, the first price raise. And it's a less than it is now by a lot, but it was a lot for me, especially when everybody that I was talking to was telling me like, well, you're crazy. Oh yeah. And then I almost was like, why, like, why do you want to pay this? And they're like, because this, this, and this. And I was like. Cool. Can I send? Can I send you an invoice for that? Like, yeah. Can we write this down right now? <laughs> but and I've gone through that phase a few times where, when you go to get to that next level too, like, mm-hmm. and I get to the next stage, I get you get full of like fear basically, and then I don't know. It's with sales. Like, I, yeah. I know how sales goes. Like, I'm gonna call a bunch of people, and a bunch of people are gonna essentially tell me go fuck myself and that's fine (laughs) that's like the nature of it people are busy and like this isn't going to be for everybody but a lot of times what i would do even just leading up to like the past month is like i go home and tell my wife be like you think i should charge this much like maybe i should just charge less because then if i like do this and she's like we've had this conversation like three times like stop like just (laughs) you this is valuable Mm -mm. because you're doing this you have to spend this much money to make it happen they can't do this on their own for nearly that much money. Mm-mm. And you're putting this out and doing all this stuff and you're advertising, you're doing all these things like charge that much. Yeah. And I'm like, shit. Okay. You're <laughs> right. And like, sometimes you have to have that. And then finally it breaks when somebody calls you back and they're like, yeah, let's do it. Like, I'm, I'm going to send you the, send me the invoice so I yes. can send you the credit card. And you're finally like, fuck, I did it. <laughs> like, and then, and then it makes it like a, it's like a new baseline, mm-hmm. you know? It's a new level of confidence, too. Yeah. You present your product differently. You present what you're doing differently. And, you know, what... Yeah, you're right. And what you're really kind of doing, too, is, like, you're you're on, like, an edge of, like, influencer and having this kind of, like, business. Mm-hmm. Because, like, when you listen to some of these influencers and how much they charge businesses... Like, I know someone who does TikToks for uh, businesses locally in this area charges three grand a month just to make, like... X amount of TikTok videos. And I'm like, holy shit, three grand. I am doing the wrong job because like <laughs> just freelancing and marketing stuff, people are finally realizing they have to pay for marketing to really get their brand going. My yeah. favorite thing I would always, t- I tell everybody, especially, I mean, this went from radio on and I'm, I honestly, to this day, I still don't remember who I heard it from, but someone's like, oh, why would we spend money on that advertising, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, you know, McDonald's still spends billions of dollars a year on advertising. 
and they're a billion dollar company. Yeah. Okay, maybe they do millions of dollars. Sorry. Hundreds but still. of millions. Yeah. <laughs> but still, like you gotta invest in yourself to like get get yourself out there and to get something out of it. So I I agree, man. I think for me, knowing what I was worth and asking for it, just like you, was such a discovery in my professional life. And I'm so glad I finally did it. Did it did it translate to other parts of your life too? Well, yes. Actually, I feel like since I kind of have been this way, like I'm on an up and up. I got a new house. I got an awesome new job. I like actually feel settled for the first time in my entire life of like bouncing around. Like I feel like this is my community and and I love being here and I want to help grow with it and help make it better, like get really involved in things. And I feel like since I have since I made that conscious choice at 28 years old to manifest my shit and to live in a more positive mindset, all of that's kind of fallen into place and gotten better. I've gotten back from that hole that I was in to like this completely different human being that I feel like today. It's so weird. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? Like how, how that changed? <laughs> well, that's what we were talking about before is like the, the change in your whole life on a day-to-day basis when you make these changes. Pretty, it's just wild. It's pretty wild. And then like all of a sudden you're grown up and you're like, what? I'm adulting, having were, my own business and talking about stuff? Were you an angsty teen? Oh my God. I was listening to my emo music on the way up here actually. So I was a bit of an angsty teen. I, I, I was a bit of an angsty teen <laughs> no, as well. No, you. You I, seem like a dashboard confessional guy. No, Stop no. See, this is this is the problem with my haircut and and my I freaking look like every other every other person that would be in that zone but i was always like no dashboard conditions fucking lame dude <laughs> me too i hated them so much i like so i i liked um i liked some of the mainstream stuff that i liked were like blink 182 rise against like a lot of the punk skate punk things yeah. like that but then i got into some like the um like later on like 2010 that zone got into other bands like I don't know if you ever heard of Title Fight or there's like stories so far. All these kind of other bands that were kind of offshoots from those genres, just like kind of the next generation. But oh. like, those are the things that I I love. But I also love like the reggae stuff. Like Three Elevens were yes. my favorite bands. Like Pepper. I love the re- I love reggae music. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. And so I always love that stuff. So all right, so <laughs> I did listen to some of the emo stuff. Like Taking Back Sunday was oh. one of my. TBS. Like, yeah, and they're from <laughs> Long Island too. That's where I'm from. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, like family, brand new. My dad's side of the family all lives in Long Island. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. What part? West Hempstead. West Hempstead. Area. That's from West Islip. Just oh. the other the other west. The other town. west? <laughs> There's like 400 towns. Like people tell me like, oh, yeah, you're from Long Island? Yeah, I'm from this. I'm like, oh, cool. It's I'm Long like, Island. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, no. All right, so what were the bands that you, that oh, you angsted God. out on? Oh, oh, me, uh, The Used, mm. obviously, had that to. In, in Love and Death. Oh, that, my with goodness. The, with the, the Cut Up Heart one. That's, like a, that that's a great album. That was a very good album. I got to hand it to uh, AFI was one of my absolute favorites. I actually saw them in Memphis at the New Daisy Theater, and Davey was walking out in the crowd, and I, like, held up his shoe and everything. So that was really cool. Um, Coheed and Cambria was oh, another nice. favorite of mine. And I was, I had Claudio, like, of course, me being my wild 16-year-old self, I was like, sign my body. So I have like a picture somewhere of like his signature on my body and something like that. But it was, it's giant hair. 
Um, and then I love Weezer. Like I had, I had Ugh. a lot of like mainstream bands too, like Weezer, Blink One Eighty Two, um, Good Charlotte. I had like, of course, like, a little like pop punk side. Uh, Green Day. Yeah. Fucking love Green Day. Green Day's great. The Dookie album is fucking <sighs> awesome. One of the best live shows I've ever seen in my entire life. I didn't do West Palm Beach. I saw them in Orange Beach. I was working at the radio station in Destin, Florida, and I went to see them there. I had like 103 fever. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I ain't missing this fucking show, man. <laughs> and I went there, and I just loved every moment of it. They played two hours of just awesomeness. It was phenomenal. They gave away like three guitars. Yeah, Hell it yeah. was wild. That's awesome. Ah, so I, I, I love God. I just love going to so many different concerts and everything like that. That was probably like my favorite thing about growing up. I had a yes, they had, but I had really good band friends from the time I was like sixteen on. So I was always in like the scene. Oh, that's cool. A lot of like of those indie bands that like played locally, and I was like one of the scene kids that was going around. But not. Did like, you have crazy colored hair? Oh God, no. Well. Okay. Well, a little bit, but it wasn't like really big. And I had like like, flock of seagulls haircut. Oh my God. No, it was like a tame flock of seagulls haircut. One seagull haircut. Just the one. (laughs) But I had the hot topic clothes, Uh, the jewelry, the deep, deep eyeliner. Yeah. I was a little emo. Yeah. Did you, did you, did you end up going like kind of full emo at any point? I don't think I went full emo. I kind of like tried out a bunch of different things because like, I was getting into emo, and then I went to college, and that's where I met a bunch of hippies okay. who love jam bands. So then like I got into fish like fish and all those things. I fucking hate fish; they're so terrible. <laughs> I, I don't. I've like I've maybe heard two fish songs. They were they were probably forty minutes long each. Knowing fish. did you listen to a lot of Dispatch when you got to college? I did it. I didn't. We had like widespread panic, so that okay. was the really big one for us. And I went through a big uh, classic rock phase that year, or the, during those years. So I like. Got really into like Zeppelin and Jim Morrison and get really down into the ethos of Pink Floyd and like mm-hmm. reading about Bob Dylan and like I dove really deep into like that whole era of people and like culture and That's and everything. Cool. So that was kind of my thing. Did that play into like the why you wanted to be in radio? I think so. I've always really loved music. I've always been that person that's like been able to name the artists off of a few, you know, notes on the radio. Um, or I always like my a job I secretly always want is to be that person who picks songs and move like songs and movies. Yeah. Like James Gunn, like all the songs he picks to go with like the right scenes. I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. Give me this job in a movie. Um, but I just love music. So the fact that I got paid to go to concerts talk about music and I got to learn a bunch of great bands on top of it. Like if not for radio, I would never have heard of the dirty heads or, yeah. you know, 90% of the indie bands that came out during that really fun alt rock, alt rock phase where I was like, Portugal, the man was everywhere. So it just kind of let me be my wild self, but with like giving me a kind of paycheck. Yeah. But a lot of free concert tickets. And I got to hang out with rock stars, which was br- really tight. That's pretty sweet. I never got too sad about that part. <laughs> Well, and it's and that's like what's one of the things I wanted to ask, like how how it lasted so long for fifteen years, if that was the feeling. But it's like the trick. It's at least when you're growing up too, and you're like getting into your professional career, and you're really mm-hmm. like going for it. A lot of times, it's like if if the stuff is cool enough, you're kind of like I could put up with it. All right, that sucks, <laughs> but this is pretty sweet. Like 
It was just the people that I felt like were in charge of things just were antiquated. It was like the dinosaurs, you know. Like but everything else, everything you got else to, progressed, yeah. and I liked, but the leadership didn't progress. And and that's true across the board in radio. There's still an antiquated system of like how they even get ratings. People still have to fill out those books and send it in. In this digital and you get a age, dollar for yeah, five. You get five dollars. You get for five dollars now. I've done it because I'm not on the radio anymore, and I can submit things. What? I, I actually did forget to send the book in, but I took that $5 and I enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you guys. But I, I, you know, I, so that's, and I still do miss it. Like it's still so ingrained in me. So like I see people like up on stage at like concerts and like doing their thing. And I'm like, ah, oh, in a different life. But that's kind of how I think about it now. What I like about marketing is one, it's stable, but two, I really love like telling the stories and like making people fall in love with things that they maybe didn't think they needed. And I or think that didn't that's care cool. about before. Or didn't care about, yeah. yeah. Like kind of flipping the script and telling the stories that come out of so many of the different brands that we interact with on a daily basis. Well, and that's like, a, I'm literally reading this building a story brand. So it's going oh, nice. through and uh, I don't know, it's, it's actually, it's talking about marketing from like the perspective of like telling a story, but your customer is the actual character of that story mm-hmm. kind of thing. Which I always would think is like, again, with the same manifesting, like woo-woo bullshit. But the way that they put it is like, <laughs> all right, I, he was like a, a writer and a screenwriter before. And he's like, here's how story structures work. Like, if you can create that for your customer where you're the guide, you're not also the hero of the story. They are like, mm-hmm. and you can guide them through. They that's, choose. Yeah. They you get empower to, them. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, if you can actually do that for real versus like just being like, I'm empowering you. Here's a here's a <laughs> here's a bullshit <laughs> an fucking, ebook on yeah. how I'm empowering yeah. you. Please download it for your email address. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, all right, how can we actually do things that like help people while driving money and revenue and sales mm-hmm. to us? So it's like, I don't know. It's it's new. It's like uh, for the marketing side, it's just like we figured out with all this stuff. It's like drink from a fire hose. Figure it all out. Like I've been in sales for long enough. I know what people's pain points are and things, but now just refining the marketing piece and and like helping businesses tell that story. It's it is it is cool. It's uh I'm less cynical about it now that I'm doing it than maybe I was like ten years ago. And you watch commercials. People are bullshit, (laughs) man. You watch commercials totally different now too. You're like, what are they trying to sell me? And ninety percent of the time. It's a feeling. Yeah. They're selling you a feeling. Like, how many fucking car commercials do we have to see where they're like, on this adventure yeah. with Durango? Yeah. And you're like, this, you're not even on an adventure. You're at the beach. What are you having? Yeah. But it's like a feeling once again. So it's it's been such an interesting, uh, interesting lesson. I agree with that. One I'm reading is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yeah, by Mark Manson. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. That one's been a good one so far. And it's just basically about not trying too hard. Yeah. And I was like, that's a really good thing. Because sometimes I don't know how to be quiet. And I don't know how to like not be that person who wants to have the idea done. And it kind of is like teaching me when to pick and choose these moments. And kind of be like, your work is your work. And like you can stand by it and be proud of it. You know, and if someone doesn't get it, well, basically, 
fuck them. And yeah. I'm like, I, I kind of like this mindset. Yeah, in some ways, for sure. And it's also like, uh, I like from that book, it says like, you got to just kind of focus on the things that you know you can do, that you know that you can like work on and control yes. and not, not worry so much about how it's going to be received, all that kind of stuff. That's been a big, it's been a big change for me. Well, in this area, you, in a creative space, that's kind of like the most important thing, right? Having these out-of-the-box ideas. And that was my biggest scare coming out of radio and going into marketing. Like, I am not by a mold. I am not been trained in college to think a certain way. I think very differently than a lot of people that I would work with. But like having, and it took me a, a, almost a year to get the confidence to present my ideas because I thought, they're a little out of the box. Like, yeah. it's a little wild. People might not be into it. And I have learned, honestly, being that creative and being okay with presenting a scary idea, but presenting it in a way that's like, this is how it's attainable and this is why it's going to help you. It is like made my career, like I've been doing things I love all of a sudden. Like I love going to work. I love the product that comes out of it because of like the ideas that I presented in there and kind of having that, ability to give those out-of-the-box ideas and be confident in it yeah yeah you can see things that others can't it's, it's cool it's weird man you're yeah. just like people you know i pitched the podcast that one guy he was like i don't want to do a podcast i was like you're gonna be so good at it i can see it and then just seeing that in fruition come out and be like yes yeah i knew it yeah my idea that one didn't suck oh snap look at me <laughs> I, have a, I have a customer that i'm going through the same process with right now it's just like <laughs> Just fucking do this. Trust me. We're gonna do this. Like, <laughs> just do this. Don't stop asking about Hootsuite. We're gonna just let's do this. Like, we're gonna be fine. It's gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna get you on camera. Here's what we're gonna talk about. But you need to tell me what you want to talk about. But let's do this because this is perfect. And oh like, my gosh! Right, finally, we'll see. I'm a professional. Trust me. Yeah, <laughs> that's my new favorite thing to say. Yeah. I'm like, do I tell you how to do this job? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I give it a little wrist, but flick. in like a very respectful way. I say that. <laughs> Well, cool. Thanks for coming and doing this. I appreciate it. This is freaking awesome. No, this was so fun. I hope to be invited back. I'm bringing beer Maybe. next time, though. All right. You're invited back. Yes. <laughs> we'll bring some beers. Yeah. And... Maybe we'll leave it at beers. Maybe we won't. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know if it, I don't know if the podcast can handle that level of Chelsea. That's a pretty intense level of Chelsea. Liquor Chelsea. She's, she's a mess. That's, all right. <laughs> you Let's might not get, be able to use that on LinkedIn. All right. First, <laughs> first one back. We'll do craft brew. We'll do craft brew Chelsea, and then <laughs> go from there. We'll go from there. <laughs> see how it goes. And then where can uh, where can people find you, connect with you? Oh, yes. No. So thank you for having me. This was an absolute blast. Normally, I'm the one presenting a podcast and not being a guest. So it was actually fun to be a guest on Hell a podcast. Yeah. I'm loving it. Sweet. I hope I didn't say too much, but if I did, oh, well. That's what that's, <laughs> that's do what we I literally, do. <laughs> I literally bought these microphones and these stands so people can talk into them. So yes. you, you kind of, you nailed it. I love it. They're gorgeous. I have like such like studio envy right now. It's not even fair. Um, <laughs> but I would love if you like to connect with me. I do a lot of dog rescue stuff. So I would love for people to connect with me there. I'm actually very passionate about um, dog rescue and fostering in our community. And I okay. help out at the Gulf Coast Humane Society, uh, Cape Coral Animal Shelter, and then locally with a dog rescue called Doghouse Rescue Academy. Um, so you can find my stuff, Chelsea Loves Dogs, on Facebook. 
Uh, and then I am Chels, C-H-E-L-S, Southwest Florida on Instagram. Cool. And that's just a bunch of random stuff. I learned that when you work in social media, your social media takes a little bit of a hit personally because, you know, but it's a lot of a uh, dog stuff. <laughs> I got I got my dogs on there. Um, I paddleboard a lot. And I really just like, it's just some feel-good Florida stuff. You know, that's what kind of I put out there in the world. Just yeah. feel-good Florida vibes, man. We're going to manifest some feel-good Florida vibes. Fuck yeah, we are. And some <laughs> beer, like right now. <laughs> Solid. Awesome. We're almost at New Year, so it's perfect timing. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Chelsea. I appreciate it.